USA Wealth Group Inc. presents Money Wise with the Money Guys. Ray Lance and Pete Lance are your hosts for the next hour, talking retirement topics and having the retirement conversation for those at or nearing retirement. For more than 20 years, USA Wealth Group has been committed to helping families protect and grow their wealth. The conversation starts now. Welcome to Money Wise Radio. Good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Money Wise. We're so pleased to have you with us this Sunday morning. It's been a, a kind of a quiet period of time for our winter, and the prediction is we're going to continue to have a mild winter, but that's exciting. I don't ever mind seeing rain. I don't like snow particularly anymore. I like to look at it, but I don't like to have to drive through it and everything else. So... Today we're going to talk about something that's probably one of the most important shows that we'll ever do. We haven't done it for a few years, and it's quite important. And it's basically, what are the issues about qualifying for the program known as Medicaid? So I'm very pleased to have beside me this morning, Attorney Tenny Lance. And good morning, Tenny. Good morning, so as we begin today, I want to ask you a very important question, Tenny. First of all, I want to mention that uh, you're the uh, presiding partner and owner of Lance Law, Inc. We don't give any financial information on the radio, and we're not giving legal advice on the radio, are you? No, and we are not affiliated with USA Wealth Group. That's another requirement to talk about, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly, and um, as... Uh, USA Wealth Group and Arbor Insurance and those companies are concerned. They do work with retirement planning and helping people plan their financial affairs. But we never give advice on the radio itself, and we don't ever give legal advice. That's up to Lance Law, Inc., which is a separate and distinct entity. So for right now, as we sit side by side, tonight we'll be home and we'll be married. But right now, I don't want to know you today because we have to keep our affairs separate, don't we? You don't want to know me? Well, maybe I didn't put that quite correctly. <laughs> we have to keep our affairs distinct and separate. Our work affairs. That's our work correct. affairs. That's a good way to put it. So let me ask you a, a very good basic question. What is the most significant, important asset that most people will own in their lives? Generally, it's their residence, their real estate. Okay, good answer. And we did not prepare this question ahead of time, ladies and gentlemen, but um, I know the answer to the question, and Tenny does too. For most people, the most important thing that you can protect, aside from your family, of course, is your house. And I know that you probably see people sometimes all the time, um, perhaps, that say, how do I protect my house if I have to go to a nursing home or assisted living or anything else of that nature? People ask you that question sometimes? Um, that's certainly one of their most important questions when I meet with clients is, what happens if I have to go to a nursing home and how do I protect my house? I want to be able to live in it for as long as I want, and I want to pass it on to my kids. So, yes, very important questions. So I guess... Uh, working at the law firm and owning the law firm, you must give people advice in general about passing their house on to somebody else. And what are the usual vehicles for transferring a house to somebody else when someone dies? I'm not sure what you mean. Are you talking well, like about probate? Or, yeah, probate or a will or a trust a or trust. something of that nature. Yes. And I know that you do a lot of that kind of work. But then I think that's important to do and important to plan about. When you do a will or a trust for somebody, are there other documents that you do as well? Well, one of the most important things that people can do for themselves and their family is to have legal documents in place while they're alive. A lot of people think that the most important thing that they can do is perhaps a will or maybe even a trust. But while you're alive, it's critical that you have durable powers of attorney for property and 
durable powers of attorney for health care in place. That means that the person you name, your agent, can take care of things for you if you're not able to. If you should get in an accident, if you should, heaven forbid, develop dementia or be unconscious for some other reason, the person that you name as agent with these documents can take care of both your property and your body for you. Okay, so basically what you've said is that in the event of your death, you want to have a will or a trust in place so that your assets will be handled correctly and pass on to the next generation and so forth, or whoever you want it to go to. But then while you're alive, you need to be thinking about this power of attorney and the uh, healthcare proxy. Right. I think, you know, I tell people that wills and trusts are very important, but the most important thing you can have are these powers of attorney for property and health. Okay, and do you find that a lot of people have not gotten to do those kinds of things yet? Most people have not, unfortunately. And what they need to know is that the alternate to not having either of those is a difficult court process. It's called either a guardianship or a conservatorship through the probate court. So if you don't have a power of attorney for property and somebody needs to deal with your bills, pay your bills, get to your bank account and so forth, they have to go through a very difficult, lengthy court process um, through the probate court, and it's called conservatorship. Okay, so I guess what you're saying is that nobody really wants to go through a conservatorship or have to go through a court to have a guardian named, for example. And if you do documents ahead of time, you can avoid those things. Right. All right. And by the way, if anybody wants to meet with Attorney Tenny Lance or Attorney Mike Coleman, uh, you can call the office at 508-998-8800. You can make an appointment to see them. And for most matters, there is no cost for any uh, basic appointment, right, to do answer questions and talk about estates and so forth. If you are coming in to talk about estate planning, okay. we have a free one-hour consultation. If you are coming in for other reasons, we do charge for an initial appointment, but um, estate planning does offer you that one free hour. Okay, well, that's good to know. So I guess a lot of people tend to put things off, but I know that one of the main concerns that you have already mentioned is how do I protect my house? Because for most clients, I suspect, that becomes the single largest asset that they have. Retirement accounts are probably next. But um, what are people concerned about with their house? If they have to go to a nursing home, I suppose, right? Well, yes. Um, People who are married people and one of them needs to go to a nursing home. The house in general can be preserved for the married spouse who's still at home as long as that married spouse has enough funds to maintain the house. But if you're a single person, that becomes very difficult to keep the house. So is this what you call Medicaid planning? Right. Planning ahead for the um, prospect that you might at some point need to be in a nursing home. Well, it's, guess, it's important ahead. to note right up front that there are really only two ways to pay for a nursing home. One is you pay privately with your own funds until you run out, and the other way is through Medicaid. And that's often a source of confusion for people because they think, Oh, gee, I have Medicare. That will be fine. Medicare does not pay for long-term care. So let's clarify that because Medicare does what then? It just covers health care costs, basically? Yes, Medicare is an uh, insurance, health insurance program for those of us who are 65 and over. 
and it pays for doctors and hospitals, um, sometimes for drugs, depending upon what program you have. But it does not pay for long-term care. And people, of course, get confused because if they are transferred from a hospital to a nursing facility for rehab, Medicare does pick that up for a short period of time, but it doesn't pay long term. Well, you you used a very important word. You said people get confused, and the whole subject matter is very, very difficult and very, very confusing and many, many regulations. I think probably a lot of people don't realize how much of our federal budget is spent on these kinds of programs. So I'd like to give you partial quotation from someone named Jim Ryan. In fact, entitlement spending on programs such as Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security make up 54% of federal spending. And that's really a shocking number when you think of it. I don't think people realize that more than half of our federal budget and more than half the money you pay out in taxes is used for Medicaid, Medicare, and Social Security. That's amazing, isn't it? It is. Um, that only leaves a partial budget, essentially, for Congress and the president to be spending on military uh, items, on other sorts of social programs for road construction or whatever else they might be interested in supporting. Mm-hmm. I want to say one more thing about Medicare. Medicare, we just said, was a program that basically covers uh, doctor bills, hospital bills, surgeries, prescriptions, and so forth, depending upon what you take out. We're going to be doing an entire show in the future on Medicare because that's worth talking about uh, for an entire hour all by itself. Um, so our focus today is going to be on the Medicaid program and specifically what happens if you need to go into a nursing home or a relative or a friend or somebody else that you know needs to go into a nursing home, are there things that you can do to help protect the house? Because that's what most people care about is how do we protect your house? We're gonna start talking about that in much more detail right after a short break. So please stay tuned, we will be right back. You're listening to Money Wise with the Money Guys, hosted by Ray Lance and Pete Lance. If you have questions about retirement, call today, 508-998-8858. That's 508-998-8858 for a consultation or a second opinion on your current retirement plan. 508-998-8858. And now, back to MoneyWise with the Money Guys. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to MoneyWise. Our topic this morning is talking about Medicaid benefits. Medicaid is different from Medicare. And our special guest this morning is attorney Tenny Lance. So, Tenny, I think you do a fair amount of Medicaid applications, do you not, as part of Lance Law, Inc.? Yes, we do. We help people who are just confused or overwhelmed or whatever when they're facing the prospect of long-term stays in nursing facilities. So let me ask this question. Um, Is it a fair statement to say that the main difference between Medicaid and Medicare is that Medicaid, AID, is for somebody who primarily is in a nursing home, and Medicare is primarily for hospital and doctor bills and prescriptions in some cases. Regular health insurance. Regular health insurance care. Yes. For people 65 and older for the most part. And of course, having said that, there's many, many exceptions to all that. But um, do you think that people can just rely upon information from government officials about learning more about the Medicaid process? Where would somebody go if they wanted to find out more information about Medicaid from the government? Online, I suppose. Yes, um, I've tried some of those routes. Uh, You can go online. The program is administered federally by the 
Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, CMS, and they just put out a raft of material. But Medicaid is very, very complicated, and it has ins and outs that are sort of difficult for people to understand as a whole. And it's important to understand it all before you go off and make some kind of a rash move. So is this strictly a federal program then? Nope. So on top of federal laws and federal regulations and federal opinions and all of that, the program is also administered at every state level. So every state Medicaid program for nursing home assistance is a little different from every other one. So how is is it managed in Massachusetts, for example? In Massachusetts, it's managed by the entity called MassHealth. It's part of the Executive Office of Health and Human Services. And the MassHealth program not only administers long-term care, but medical programs for Um, families, children, poor folk, and so forth. So it's very, very confusing. Well, this is really exciting. This sounds like a full employment act for lawyers. It's it's something that makes your head swirl. So um, it's a federal program, but it's administered through a state agency. Is that accurate? Correct. Okay, good. Now I'm getting to be better at this. So if somebody wants to get information from the state agency, MassHealth, can they go online? Can they call and talk to somebody at MassHealth and get information about how to apply for Medicaid, for example? There are definitely people available if you wish to call MassHealth to get information, yes. It wouldn't be my first recommendation to people okay. because generally you're going to get general information. They can't give you specific, very detailed advice. And so if you wanted to know more about the program, it's important to go to somebody who deals with it regularly. Okay, which is one of the things that you do. So I guess, what is the main benefit of the Medicaid program? It pays for the cost of nursing home care, for example, if you don't have money yourself? Yes, for the elderly, the Medicaid program supplements your income in paying for nursing home costs, which these days can be anywhere between fifteen and twenty thousand a month. You said fifteen and twenty thousand. You mean dollars, I assume. Yes. Okay, just wanted to clarify that. So I'm trying to learn more. I'm learning more and more about Medicaid all the time. It's uh, kind of a scary subject. So. Um, Are there income limits for Medicaid? Um, Income limits are sort of superfluous because unless you had an income of 15,000 or so a month, which hardly any of us do, then your amount of income is not going to um, be a problem for you. In other words, most people cannot afford spending 15 to $20,000 a month for nursing home care. And so then what if they have assets? Are there asset limits? Yes. I want to clarify that that spending for nursing home care means income versus it must be distinguished between income and assets. So unless you make from income sources 15000 or so a month from your various retirement plans or work or whatever, you don't have to worry about income limits, but you certainly have to worry about asset limits. And people get so confused about those two things. It's very difficult for them. Okay. And by the way, I want to clarify one thing. I think if I understand it correctly, Medicaid will help elderly people. It has other programs for other people as well, but for the most part, our focus today is to talk about elderly people. Right. It's help paying for nursing homes. Okay. So let's talk about the asset limitations. Um, let's say that you're a single person and you have to go to a nursing home and you have your house. Um, 
how much, and you have some bank accounts, what are you allowed to keep in assets before Medicaid will step in and help pay your nursing home bill? That's a complicated question. Okay. <laughs> um, for uh, what I'd like to do is define income versus assets for folks. So income is the money that comes into you every month, generally by Social Security, or maybe you have a pension or of some sort. An asset is a bank account or a stock or a retirement account. Um, okay. All those sorts of things are called assets. So let's get down to the bottom line. All right. If good. you are a single person, don't worry about whether your income makes you eligible, but you can have only $2,000 in what's called countable assets. Okay. That means all of your bank accounts, all of your retirement accounts, IRAs, stocks, bonds, life insurance that is whole life and has cash value, all of those things count. So you're saying a single person going into the nursing home, if they want to get Medicaid to help pay the cost of the nursing home bill, they can only have $2,000 in assets? That's correct. And what happens to the other assets? They have to spend them all down? Well, you have to do something with them, yes. And if you're going to spend them, you have to spend them in the correct way or you could get a penalty. It sure is a complicated program. Okay, so that's a single person. What if there's a married couple and one spouse has to go into the nursing home? Does the at-home spouse have to spend everything down to $2,000? Nope, that's complicated. What, what MassHealth does is it looks at the two people as a couple. And it takes what it calls a snapshot in time of what that couple owns. And so if the couple has bank accounts together, um, they might each have retirement accounts, they might have savings bonds, whatever. They look at that couple's total assets. And in 2023, the couple together cannot have more than about $150,000 between them. Okay, that's, that's an improvement if you are a married couple, but I guess if you're a couple living together, you're not married, so that wouldn't qualify. You'd be a single person. Right. And you can only have $2,000. Right. All right, so we're, we're clarifying some of these things, and I know probably people are anxious to hear what can you do to protect some of your assets and to protect your home so that if nursing home care is required, um, you're not going to lose everything? Maybe you want to leave some assets more to your surviving spouse or to children or something of that nature. So let me give you one quick example. Let's say you've got more than $150,000, but you have not prepaid for your funeral and burial expenses. Can you spend some money down legally to pay for your funeral and burial expenses? Yes, absolutely, and that's what we recommend people do almost first when they leave our office is to get that taken care of. There are such things as exempt resources, and those exempt resources generally are only four things. One, your house. Two, your funeral plans. Three, a car. Even if you're a couple, you can only have one car, one vehicle. And four is life insurance if it does not have cash value or significant cash value of more than 1500 That is about it for exempt resources. Okay, we're going to explore that a little bit more right after a break. And we're going to get into some real specific information about things that everybody might want to consider doing if protecting your house or protecting some of your extra assets is of concern to you. So please stay tuned and we will be right back with attorney Tenny Lance. This is Money Wise Radio with Ray and Pete Lance, powered by the USA Wealth Group. 
Collectively, more than 80 years of experience helping clients define and plan for their retirement goals. To begin a retirement consultation, call 508-998-8858. That's 508-998-8858. This is Money Wise Radio. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for being with us this morning. Today, our focus is to talk about Medicaid benefits, and we are pleased to talk with attorney Tenny Lance. Tenny is a principal in Lance Law, Inc. It's an entity that's not affiliated with USA Wealth Group. And uh, Tenny, welcome back. And, you know, we've already established the fact that you do a lot of Medicaid planning. It, it must be gratifying when you can see somebody that you've been able to help and protect and know that you've saved assets for the family or for the spouse and so forth. It makes me feel really um, humble and happy when I can do that. Um, There are a couple of different views about what older people should be doing um, with their assets. Um, Some people think that if you have a lot of assets, you should be forced to spend them on your own care. I tend to Um, side with the folks who say that older people in general are have been frugal most of their lives they've put aside money for their older age they've tried to be good to their family and if they have to go into a nursing home they could lose it all and I don't think that's really fair if other older people simply die in their own beds and pass everything on to their family. It seems to me there's some incongruity there. Well, here's an interesting quotation that sort of touches on that topic. It's from a gentleman named Fred Upton. Originally created to serve the poorest and sickest among us, the Medicaid program has grown dramatically, but still doesn't include the kind of flexibility the states need to provide better health care for the poor and disadvantaged So I think the irony in this country is that if you're poor and you don't have assets and you don't own a house, the state and the federal government are going to take care of you. Right. And if you're very wealthy, you probably won't have to go to a nursing facility because you'll have home care and you can afford whatever you need. It's those poor folk in the middle. Yep. It's the middle class, really, that suffers the most and loses the most. It's not the poor people, it's not the wealthy people, it's everybody else in the middle. So we know that Medicaid is a very important program, and we know that when you do work and try to help people who are concerned about this as a future possibility of having to be in a nursing home, um, it's important to try to see what you can do to help protect assets. So what are some of the things that you can do to protect assets? Can you give money away to your children, for example? Generally, no. (laughs) Um, Everything I say has to sort of be preceded by generally or sometimes. Um, Gifting anything to anybody, your children or Joe Schmo down the street, is considered um, providing a gift to someone. It's called a disqualifying transfer all these big words that MassHealth uses. So if you gift anything away to anybody but your spouse, you're going to get a disqualifying transfer. If you do that within five years before going into a nursing home, it's so complicated. So, but you can give away certain things or you can own certain things. So let's come back to the married couple Again, for example, you said that the spouse at home gets to keep one car. I seem to recall a story once when you had told that to a gentleman whose wife was going into a nursing home, and he went out and spent down money and bought a brand new car, didn't he? (laughs) He did. That makes me laugh every time I think of it. Um, What kind of car was it? (laughs) It was a BMW. (laughs) Oh, wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) He went out and bought a used BMW, and I thought, Oh, God, he is, or his wife is never going to qualify. But the worker at um, Taunton Mass Health didn't disqualify her. So we laughed on that. 
And we've already said that you can go out and um, prepay funeral and burial expenses. Right. And that kind of a thing. But I, I've also heard something about a uh, look back period. So is there a time period? So if you give money away to somebody after a certain number of years, um, that's going to be okay? Yes. If you gifted money to anybody other than your spouse and five years go by and you then need to qualify for Medicaid, the Mass Health Office doesn't even have the right to look at that gift. They, they can only ask you what you did in the past five years. But what people tend to get confused about is that in many ways, I think it should be called a look forward period. Because let's say you gave away $10,000 today to your daughter. You have to look forward for five years to know that that gift today will disqualify you for a period of time until that five years is up. Or let me put it a different way. What you're really saying, I think, is that if you think that you want to give away some assets to protect them, you need to plan ahead of time. you got to pre-plan this. You can't wait and do it at the last minute when somebody is about to go to a nursing home. You have to do it five years ahead of time. Yes, that's generally true. There are some minor exceptions, minor in the sense that they only entail folks who might be um, your child and might be disabled. But in general, you cannot gift to anybody. People come in and say, gosh, I've made a commitment to pay my grandson's tuition. Can I still do that? Well, not if you're looking to qualify for Medicaid. Okay. So there are rules, and then there are exceptions, and it's complicated. So ladies and gentlemen, if you want to get more information and you want to figure out how you can protect your family or your parents or your assets or your potential inheritance, you got to do some planning ahead of time. Um, did you ever hear Charles Schultz? Tony, do you know that name at all? He's the guy who wrote Peanuts? Peanuts, yeah. He was the author of Peanuts. He once said, just remember when you're over the hill, you begin to pick up speed. That's true. The it years true. go by quicker It goes by much faster when you are over the hill. So ladies and gentlemen, if you're over the hill today, you better move faster. <laughs> right. Come see us. <laughs> all right. So... What about just taking the house and transferring the title over to your kids and then having five years go by? Does that work? Uh, it works, but you're creating a problem for your children. Um, there, is, there are all kinds of intersecting laws, and one of those laws is the capital gains tax. Okay, tax laws are a problem. Right. So if you gift your house to your child outright, while you're alive, they are going to get it at your basis. We're talking complicated things here, and I apologize. But okay. Or what happens if you give your house to your children, and then one of them gets divorced? Well, that's not a problem for sure, because if the house belongs to the children, then half of it belongs to the uh, about-to-be-divorced spouse. And takes off down the street. <laughs> so putting the house in the name of the children is what you're saying is not necessarily a good idea. There are, there are potential problems with doing so. We almost never recommend that. Okay. Um, what about long-term care insurance? Um, do you find that many people buy long-term care insurance anymore to cover the cost of a nursing home? No, generally they don't because uh, long-term care insurance is expensive. And if you were to buy enough to cover your um, nursing home care, you'd be broke pretty quickly. Um, most people have policies, if they bought them a while ago, that cover a couple of hundred dollars a day. But we're talking costs in the nursing home of five, six, seven hundred dollars a day. Okay. Um, I remember that there used to be some kind of a, a minimum, that if you had a minimum amount of long-term care insurance, the state could not put a lien on your house. Does that still exist, do you know? 
It does exist, and it's complicated. <laughs> it is. Everything is complicated. That's your favorite word today is complicated. Maybe I should just shorten it to complex. But if you have long-term care insurance that's up to date, and it is covering two years of care at the minimum of $125 a day, and you have at least one day left on that policy when you walk into the nursing home and ask for Medicaid, then the state won't put a lien on your house. (laughs) Okay, so one of the problems with long-term care insurance, if you think, yeah, I'll do that instead, um, if you're now older and you wanna take out a long-term care insurance policy while you're older, it costs you more, it's more expensive. Oh, it's quite expensive. Or if you have medical expenses, uh, medical issues, you may not qualify to get it in the first place. At all, right. So I, I know, for example, that if you have arthritis, that can be a disqualifier for being eligible for long-term care insurance. Yep. They think that you're going to get more disabled when you get older. You won't be able to sign the pen <laughs> to write the check for your long-term care insurance policy. Right, and what people need to watch out for is that the long-term care policies will often pay for care in the home, and that's great, Um, and it can keep people home, but you must walk into or be wheeled into the nursing facility with one day left on that policy in order to avoid the house lien. Boy, there are exceptions and complications all over the place, aren't there? Yeah. So long-term care insurance may or may not be a solution. I will mention that a lot of the life insurance policies that are being sold today, and we can answer some questions about that on a one-on-one basis, will have attached to them something called a living benefits rider. And what it means quite simply is that if you have this life insurance policy with a living benefits rider and you have to go to a nursing home, you can tap the death benefit, even though you're still living, and use that towards cost of a nursing home. But again, you gotta qualify for the life insurance policy. So when we come back after our last break of the morning, we're gonna be talking about uh, some trust issues of something called an irrevocable income-only trust that I know you do sometimes, Tenny. And aging is an issue. Gertrude Stein once said, we are always the same age inside. That's true. I still feel, well, maybe not 25, but maybe 30. Oh, I feel 17 most days. <laughs> no, I kidding. can't disagree with that. <laughs> no, we will be right back after a short break, ladies and gentlemen. Please stay tuned for some final good words of advice from attorney Tenny Lance. Money Wise is in many places. If you missed a minute of the show or want to listen to past episodes of Money Wise, go online to usawealthgroup.com and click on the radio page. That's usawealthgroup.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This morning we're talking about Medicaid and we're talking about some things that you might consider doing to protect your house and what can you legally spend down uh, to spend some of your money that won't have to get paid to a nursing home possibly. And our special guest this morning is attorney Tenny Lance. She's the principal of Lance Law, Inc. You can reach her at 508-998-8800. And if you haven't made plans yet to protect your family and protect your assets, it's never too late, but the earlier the better. Correct, Tenny? Correct. Most people wait too long. Uh, I want to give you an interesting quotation from Maya Angelou. She's a very well-known poet and writer. I am convinced that most people do not grow up. We marry and dare to have children and call that growing up. I think what we do is mostly grow old. We carry accumulation of years in our bodies and on our faces. But generally our real selves, the children inside, are innocent and shy as magnolias. I thought that was a nice, nicely expressed thought. So we talked a little bit about 
first of all, getting some legal documents in place that you talked about, a will or a trust, a healthcare proxy, a power of attorney, because those enable you to make some decisions. And while you're living, the power of attorney and the proxy allow other people to make decisions for you if you cannot for yourself. And then we talked a little bit about how do you pay for long-term care? How do you pay for nursing home care? We talked about long-term care insurance. Of course, if you have your own money, um, you're a private pay patient, you can do that. Um, Most people have interest in how do I qualify for Medicaid? And specifically, how can I protect my house? So let me ask you a question. There's something called homestead in Massachusetts, and I know you do homesteads to protect people's houses from um, claims by lawsuits, for example. Does a homestead protect people's house from a nursing home? Unfortunately, not at all. Nope. So I think a lot of people are confused about that as well. What about staying in your own house? Is that a solution for people sometimes? Sometimes it is. Um, Generally, it's not a whole lot less expensive than nursing facilities if you need 24-7 care. Um, And there are, or there is a Medicaid uh, program in Massachusetts for that. It's called the Home and Community-Based Elder Waiver Program. But again, it's complicated. And so if you'd like us to talk to you about that, we'd be happy to. Okay. So I guess you could try to stay in your own home, which is what most people would want to do. And as Tenny said, you'd have to have some outside support services. You cannot rely on your children. They may live out of state or not too close. They may have children of their own they're taking care of. Lots and lots of complications. You might have to spend money to modify your house, things of that nature. And then long-term care insurance, unfortunately, has become increasingly costly and less useful uh, for most people. So let's talk about this thing called this uh, special trust that you've done. You can create a special kind of a trust, and what's it called? Uh, Our trust is called an irrevocable income-only trust. And the word irrevocable is the important word here because uh, once you do it, you can't change it. And that's important for people to know. Okay, so an irrevocable income-only trust, and I know you call that an IOT for sort of brevity purposes. Um, So are there look-back periods? If you put your house, for example, into this irrevocable trust, Um, Is there a look-back period on that? Absolutely. It's the same five years. No matter what you do, folks, you need five years from the day you do it. (laughs) Okay, so we know there's a look-back period. So if somebody wants to do an irrevocable trust, um, again, you cannot give that as legal advice over the air, but what would you have them do, make an appointment to come in to see you? Yes. When we... When we speak with someone about Medicaid, uh, we take the comprehensive approach. We look at all kinds of alternatives. There are, for example, um, disabled children exemptions, caregiver child exemptions, all those sorts of things. So we don't want to make a decision about what we'd recommend for you unless we know the whole picture. But... um, We'd be happy to, to talk with you about it. And if you did a um, an irrevocable trust like that, who would be the trustee? Can you be the trustee of your own irrevocable trust, for example? No, you cannot. And that's what is troublesome to some people who still want to control their house, um, but they cannot be the trustee. So they have to name somebody that they trust, and that's usually a child um, or some close friend or relative. All right, so you you do the irrevocable trust. You have to name somebody else to be the trustee for you. Then then you do what? You sign a deed and put the house into the trust name? The deed goes from you into the trust with the trustee being the manager at that point. We also, though, at the same time, sign something called a life occupancy agreement. We don't want your trustee to become suddenly greedy and say, ha ha, I control this house 
get out. So we provide for you to have the right to live in that house for the rest of your life or to make arrangements for another living situation that you approve. Okay. So uh, as you said, the, the, when you have somebody as a trustee, by definition, that's somebody that you have to trust and somebody that you do trust. Because that person can make decisions about what's in that trust, in this case, your house. So I've decided, Tenny, that I am not going to get any older in my life. Good. Because I want to read you a quotation from Ernest Hemingway. He said, no, that is the great fallacy, the wisdom of old men. They do not grow wise, they grow careful. So what I'm going to say from now on is I'm not getting older, I'm getting wiser. I was going to say, or unwise. No, no, I'm getting wiser. <laughs> but there's a, there's a writer named uh, C.S. Lewis who once said, I like this one a lot, someday you will be old enough to start reading fairy tales again. <laughs> Think about that Why one. Why not? Well, yeah, but it usually means that you don't have capacity, I suppose, too. I read a lot of history, and a lot of that is like fairy tales. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Especially modern politics is a lot like fairy tales, isn't it? (laughs) Well, um, it's estimated that 70% of all the people who reach the age of 65 are going to need some kind of long-term care. That's a pretty high number, 70%. doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be in a nursing home, but you might have to have somebody come in and do things in your house for you. Right, and there are alternatives like assisted living or having part-time caregivers in your house and so forth. So not everybody's going to end up in a nursing home, but you do better if you plan ahead. Well, there are many indignities that we have to suffer as we get older, and you know they're not always comfortable. Um, if you have a married couple, for example, who maintain privacy and decorum in their relationship, maybe they don't see each other naked very often let alone have to clean up each other or or bathe each other and things like that. Or maybe physically they don't have the strength to do those kinds of things. Cleaning up (laughs) reminds me. My poor brother was in a nursing home recently because of breaking some bones. And one day he was ready to have his shower, and three very young (laughs) orderlies came in female to give him his shower he's 86 they were about 19 he he uh, enjoyed that shower i was just going to ask you if he enjoyed it i mean maybe there are some enjoyable parts to old age who knows (laughs) but uh but he had to be in a hospital for a while and tell the reason why he he had a fall He, he fell falls often are the cause of people's downturn health-wise. He broke both of his shoulders, so he couldn't, couldn't eat, cook, bathe, anything. Couldn't for lift his arm. While. No. And um, then he went from the hospital to a nursing home for a while for rehab. A long time, and he's, yep. He's finally back home again. He is. He's home with his cat mittens and happy as a clam. Well... All of us wish that we um, can live out our life without having become incapacitated or losing our mental faculties or anything else. Uh, Dementia is a major issue. You know, one of my favorite writers of all times, and I majored in English literature in college, was uh, Virginia Woolf, um, unusual writer. um, And she wrote, I don't believe in aging. I believe in forever altering one's aspect to the sun. I thought that was an interesting... Aspect to the sun? Yeah, your relationship to the sun. Hmm. So, you like that quotation? Yeah. I'll tape it up over the bed. (laughs) Well, we we talk about, um, you know, growing older. It is an issue for everybody. Sooner or later, we all hope to get older, don't we? doesn't matter what your age is right now. We don't necessarily want to be old, but we certainly want to be older. So, there are a lot of things that you can do. And the most important thing I think that everybody ought to be thinking about doing is if protecting your assets, if preserving your assets for family members, especially 
not necessarily really poor people or really wealthy people, but people in the middle, make an appointment to go see attorney Tenny Lance or attorney Mike Coleman and give them a call at 508-998-8800 and tell them you would like some information about how to protect assets and make sure that they can pass along their assets to the next generation possibly. So Tenny, there's a lot to do in planning. What we've talked about today and we try to make light of it in some ways. It's a very complicated subject, isn't it? Everything we talked about today is complicated, but please, folks, plan ahead. Get your powers of attorney in place for while you're alive. Get your wills and trusts in place for after you pass on. And thank you for being faithful and listening to us every week. We appreciate that a lot. We have a lot of people who come in and um, they want to see my face because they've heard my voice. And they're not usually shocked, but we have fun, don't we, Tenny? We do. And we enjoy uh, helping people and protecting people. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again next week on the radio. USA Wealth Group Incorporated is not affiliated with or endorsed by the U.S. government or any governmental agency. Investment advisory products and services made available through AE Wealth Management LLC, AEWM, a registered investment advisor. Insurance products are offered through the insurance business USA Wealth Group Incorporated. USA Wealth Group Incorporated is also an investment advisory practice that offers products and services through AE Wealth Management LLC, AEWM a registered investment advisor. AEWM does not offer insurance products. The insurance products offered by USA Wealth Group Incorporated are not subject to investment advisor requirements. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. Any references to protection, safety, or lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims paying abilities of the issuing carrier. This radio show is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be used as the sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of an individual situation. USA Wealth Group Incorporated is not permitted to offer, and no statement made during this show shall constitute tax or legal advice. Our firm is not affiliated with or endorsed by the U.S. government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions contained herein provided by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed by USA Wealth Group Incorporated. Tenny Lance is not affiliated with or endorsed by AE Wealth Management LLC. Lance Law Inc. is not affiliated with USA Wealth Group Inc. or AE Wealth Management. This radio show is a paid placement.